Hello and welcome. This is Artist Unknown, a series of talks exploring objects and works of art from across the University of Cambridge collections, where the maker, as sometimes read on a label, is Artist Unknown. Why are they unknown? Is it important that we know? And how much can an object tell us about the person who made it? For this edition of Artist Unknown, Eliza Spindle talks to us about a small and unassuming bowl from the collection of Kettle's Yard. Hi, I'm Eliza. I work at Kettle's Yard, where I specialise in 20th century British art. Kettle's Yard is a place full of objects by unknown makers. When the founder, Jim Ead, arrived here in 1957, he filled the house not only with works by his numerous artist friends, but also furniture, ceramics, textiles and other objects that he'd lovingly amassed throughout his life. Today the house remains almost exactly as Jim left it. Not an art gallery or museum, he wrote, but a living place where artworks, objects, pebbles and plants coexisted in carefully curated harmony. Each object, whether a painting or a teacup, plays its own crucial role in the balance of the space. If you walk around the house, you'll notice that nothing at Kettle's Yard is labelled. A pebble or a piece of rusty metal might easily be a work of modern sculpture, or vice versa. Even to those who work here, Kettle's Yard can be a place of constant discovery. So when it came to creating an exhibition called Artist Unknown, we were quite spoiled for choice. However, one object particularly stood out for its intriguing and as yet untold story. The object in question is a small and somewhat unassuming bowl, which normally sits on a semicircular side table in the 1970s extension of the house. Its modest size and the fact that it's positioned at a sort of threshold between two spaces means it doesn't get paid a great deal of attention. If you stop and look closely, though, you'll start to notice subtle details, like the iridescent feathery streaks in the inky-coloured glaze, which gathers and pools in irregular drips around the base, or the bowl's unusual rim, which has been broken and repaired at some point with what looks like gold. When this bowl was given to Cattle's Yard in 1999, it was believed to be a work by the celebrated British 20th century potter, William State Murray. The donor's mother had known State Murray, and the bowl had apparently come from the potter's studio. It's one of the very few things that have been added to the collection since Jim Ede left in the 1970s. The acquisition made sense, though. Jim had been a good friend and early admirer of State Murray, and had collected several of his works during the 20s and 30s, which you can see elsewhere in the house. The largest of these pieces, a tall vessel known as the Heron, was given by State Murray in 1928 as an expression of thanks after Jim had written an article praising his work as fine art rather than craft. It wasn't until later that a visitor to Kettle's Yard suggested that the bowl might in fact be Chinese. What was originally thought to be a piece of modern studio pottery was actually a tea bowl produced during the Southern Song Dynasty from 1127 to 1279 almost a thousand years earlier. Bowls of this kind were produced at kilns in the Fujian province in southern China and are known collectively as Jianware. The rise in popularity of tea during the 11th and 12th centuries led in turn to a huge demand for tea bowls, so much so that the Jian kilns began to produce these and nothing else. Everything about these bowls points to the ritual and aesthetics of tea drinking, from the shape and size designed to sit perfectly in cupped hands to the thickness of the clay which prevented the tea from cooling too quickly. Most importantly, the inky black glaze of Janware tea bowls provided a pleasing backdrop to the pale frothy tea that was popular during this period. 
Tea brewing in the Song Dynasty was a very different affair, made by grinding young tea leaves to a fine powder and whisking them with water. The whiter the froth, the better the tea, and a dark-coloured vessel obviously showed this off to greatest effect. These tea bowls were prized for their remarkable glaze effects, which are a testament to the incredible innovation and creativity of Song Dynasty potters. The marking on this bowl is known as a hare's fur glaze, due to the way the streaky texture resembles animal fur. But there were a number of other patterns too, such as tortoise shell and partridge feather. To achieve these kind of effects involved a kind of alchemy. The master potter would have possessed an extensive knowledge of glaze compositions and an expert control over the kiln temperature and oxygen levels. This hairspray effect is achieved by applying a glaze with a high iron content, which when fired bubbles to the surface and drags down the heavy iron particles to create this subtle streaky pattern. Though thousands of these tea bowls might be made at a time, each one is completely unique due to the element of chance involved in producing them. But taking a step back, how did this bowl produced nearly a thousand years ago and halfway around the globe get mistaken for a piece of 20th century British pottery? It's not as big a leap as you might think. Song Dynasty ceramics were undergoing a huge resurgence of popularity amongst artistic circles in early 20th century Britain. One of its biggest promoters was Roger Fry, the influential artist and art historian at the centre of London's Bohemian Bloomsbury Group. In 1910, he wrote a review of the Burlington Fine Arts Club exhibition of early Chinese pottery and porcelain, which was the first time Song Dynasty ceramics had been shown in Britain. He even became a part-time potter, making vessels that tried to emulate the elegance and simplicity he so admired in them. At this point, William State Murray was also in London, studying pottery at the Camberwell School of Arts and Crafts. It's not surprising then that he was absorbing all of these influences. His work from the 1920s and 30s, with its simple shapes and monochrome glazes, shows how deeply he was influenced by early Chinese pottery. He also sought to copy the techniques used by Song Dynasty potters, working in stoneware fired at high temperatures, and even recreating the hair's fur effect that appears on this tea bowl. This takes us to yet another layer of our story. The gold repairs around the rim of the tea bowl actually follow a traditional Japanese method called kintsugi, which uses gold lacquer to repair, or actually to highlight, cracked or chipped pottery. It's not uncommon to find this on Janware tea bowls. They were prized and collected in Japan, having been brought back by Japanese monks who were visiting China to study Chan Buddhism. The kintsugi technique only came into use in the late 16th or early 17th century, so these repairs are always later additions. But there's also the possibility that William State Murray himself was responsible for the repairs. As well as his interest in traditional Chinese techniques, State Murray is known to have experimented with kintsugi. In fact, we have a rare example here at Cattle's Yard on State Murray's heron, which I mentioned earlier. The story goes that this piece was dropped and broken by the artist David Jones when he came to visit Jim in London. State Murray was unexpectedly delighted at the opportunity to try out the kintsugi technique, having never been able to bring himself to break a piece deliberately. If you look closely at the heron now, you can just make out the thin line of gold running horizontally around the centre. So when this bowl arrived at Kettle's Yard, it was just assumed that this was another example of State Murray repairing his own work. We still don't know whether the gold repairs on our tea bowl are Japanese or the work of State Murray. What's extraordinary, though, 
is the way they turn this small tea bowl into a hybrid object, worked on by multiple hands across centuries and perhaps even continents. It's a story that really captures the imagination. One of the things that fascinates me is the way this bowl basically snuck into our collection by accident. It goes to show how much impact a name or identity can have on the way things are collected and displayed in museums and galleries. At Kettle's Yard, we rarely add to the object on display in the house, since it's meant to be a faithful continuation of Jim Ede's arrangements. Exceptions are made when something logically fits into the collection, as would have been the case with a piece of William State Murray pottery. And although it turned out to be something quite different, this small tea bowl does capture the Kettle's Yard ethos of bringing together beautiful objects regardless of their maker or origin. I somehow think Jim would have approved. Thank you, Eliza. This series of talks is born from a Kettle's Yard exhibition in collaboration with the University of Cambridge Museums titled Artist Unknown. It brings together works of art from across the university's collections from July to September 2019. If you're listening during that time period and a trip is possible, make sure to visit. Thanks for listening.